Hey, this is Mike Missanelli, and you're listening to the Feed the Embiid, the number one Sixers podcast in America. Yeah, 2-1 on his jersey, playing like he's number one. Best big in the league, and it's no debate. Booze from the haters, point him to the exit. I guess every franchise needs its process. Every franchise needs its own process. Coming down the lane, yeah, watch your head, yeah. We post a every game, yeah. Get your Kodak. Once he gets you under the basket, you better just pray. Hit you with the jab step, knock down, lock from Ben. Get out the way, and one, let the fans know it. Yeah, homie, let the fans know it. Watch the trailer, the three is going in your eye. If you mess, you better get back. Cause if the bees, there won't be a putback. Keep all that trash out of the paint. Cause the bees will put it back in your face. He's a cold blooded killer, and he take no prisoners. Yeah, dump off from TJ. Call it the feed to a bee. What's going on, everybody? This is the Feed to Embiid. I am your host, as always, Austin Krell. And the Sixers, a rare tough week this week. They dropped two at home, their first two losses at home all season. They really got just brutalized and, and crushed by the zone defense. And, of course, with, with in the age of social media and the age of Twitter and Everyone being experts, but really no one being experts. If, if we're being you know real with ourselves here, Ben Simmons got a lot of the brunt, and so did Brett Brown. And I try to I try to be pretty fair with with, with what I say, and sort of be you know commend you know com- commending when 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 I think it's worth commending, and then you know punish when I think it's worth punishing, and. This weekend was a really, really, really bad weekend for Brett Brown. They got exposed on Wednesday by Eric Spolstra and those darn Miami Heat, who, by the way, some of the worst fans in the NBA. I mean, just horrible people. All they do is they, they're like little cockroaches, is what they are. Anyway, back to some more um, meaningful and important tasks. So the Sixers... They play the Mavericks at home on Friday, no Luka. And it was more of the same with, with the zone defense. The Mavericks, uh, they, they, they were playing, they got into the zone about midway through the first quarter, and it really spelled problems for the Sixers. Um, the Sixers, were, I think, led like 10 to 3 at one point in the game. And then the Mavericks were quick, quick they went on like a quick run, and they tied it up, and then they took the lead. They led by seven after one, and then really from there, it was it was just they never looked back. I mean, they led by a 16 in the second quarter, and it was all the zone. And the Sixers just couldn't get any momentum going. And the Mavericks cruised to a 19-point win, and Brett Brown got crucified once again to the point where I, of all people, me, the ultimate Brett Brown supporter, the only, you know one of the few people in this city who doesn't want to burn him at the stake, I was starting to question, you know, let's, let's put a couple coaches in order who could replace Brett Brown. On my list is Tim Legler, Tim Legler, and I know people say, you you want Tim Legler to be the coach of the Sixers? Uh, you, you should find a new profession. 
Um, have you seen Tim Legler breakdown film? Is there there is nothing like a Tim Legler film breakdown? It's just tremendous. You learn so much from watching Tim Legler. Tim Legler on ESPN. I don't care what you say about Tim Legler. He's a brilliant, brilliant basketball mind. Second, Dave Fisdale is a good option. Yeah, I like Dave Fisdale. He is loved by everyone around the league. LeBron James loves David Fisdale. If LeBron loves you, you're probably not a bad coach. He's been given a raw deal because of what happened in, in, in the Memphis with the Grizzlies and Mark Gasol. It was a shit show in New York. I mean, they gave him a, a, a franchise. To, they gave him a franchise player to build around, and then they trade away the franchise player. But what the hell is he supposed to do with that? So, if you don't like Fisdale, you don't know enough about basketball. That's just first. Um, then, of course, there is the love the 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 wonderful mind of Tim Duncan, who I think would be a tremendous, tremendous option. Who, someone that someone who, who can groom Embiid's fundamentals, mature him a little bit, has won championships, been around Co- Coach Popovich all the all of his life. If you want, if you're serious about building around Joel Embiid, that's the guy who you pick. Then Joseph Blair, who is an assistant on the Sixers staff right now, he comes from the um, from the mold of Nick Nurse. And as we all know, Nick Nick Nurse, championship reigning uh, NBA champions, Toronto Raptors. He did it in his rookie year, won with them. Of course, Kawhi Leonard was a little was a little bit helpful with that, but that's a different story. So they got just absolutely crushed on Friday. Then on Saturday was when things got interesting. Um, the Wizards are in town. Bradley Beal, Isaiah Thomas lead that eight and nineteen team. Um, the Sixers lead by 23 in that game, and the, the Wizards come back. They, they make it a game, get, get to within, I think, five or three. I think it was five. And the Sixers ultimately win by, I think, over 15 points. So Sixers one and two on the week. Two pretty bad losses. Um, you know, it, it is what it is. You, you have bad weeks sometimes, and not every week's going to be a, a great week. The Raptors lost. Um, the Raptors only won five of twelve last January, last December. I think they were when they went five and seven at one point in the middle of the season, and we all know how that ended. And yes, there there are extreme differences between teams, but even good teams go through little slumps. The important thing is that they go through the slump now, as opposed to May, when you have very little time to fix it. If you get a, if, a, if a if a massive weakness gets exposed, then you're screwed. It's over. You can pack your bags. You're, you'll try again next year. Um, now they can add some personnel to accommodate against the zone, and then they can also um, game plan for it better. I think the next time they see a zone, they'll be in a much better position to handle it, and they will know how to. They'll know how to combat the zone when, when they see it next. I thought it was interesting after the game that Brett Brown admitted that. He provided more structure to his offense after the Dallas loss on Friday, which kind of, in one way, in one ear, it says that he's absolving himself of responsibility and basically saying, you know, like the players are the ones who play the game. I, I offer freelance, you know, um, you know, uh, f- a, a, a very liberal style of, of play. 
if they're not executing it on them. Another part of it told me that there's part, there's a side of Brett Brown that we don't see often that we're gonna that we're about to see, and that's the side of play calling. And if he's a really good play caller, then maybe maybe he is the right coach for the job. Maybe all this time it was just sort of a uh, you know he had his philosophies, but then he saw what the issue was, and now he's thinking, okay, I have to now start drawing up plays. I'm not saying I'm this naive and he's pulling wool over my eyes now. I mean, he still has issues, but it is interesting that there's another side of the Brett Brown that we might not have seen yet. And what, what happens if they come out and they blow apart the Pistons tomorrow night and then they blow apart the the Bucks on Christmas Day, God willing, and they, you know, they, they, they start to they win 13 or 15 again. Then it's going to be time to acknowledge that, hey, maybe Brett Brown is not a bad coach after all. Maybe people were right about Brett Brown. Maybe one of those people was me. Who knows? I'm just saying. Um, worth worth noting in that game on Saturday night was the fan altercation with Isaiah Thomas. Uh, the, the, the fan said, fuck you, bitch, fuck you, bitch, fuck you, bitch. Um, to Isaiah Thomas when he was shooting free throws. Isaiah Thomas, when he was subbed out of the game, went to the stand and confronted the, the two fans who, who then said that they were just trying to get Slurpees or Frosties, whatever the hell they are, because the Frosty frees out. Fans have to realize that once you start to get disrespectful, you've then crossed the line. It doesn't matter how far you go with it, you are now being disrespectful. You're not being civilized. You're being below a reasonable human level, a reasonable part of society. And you give the fans of Philadelphia a terrible name. I mean, we already have to deal with people making battery jokes from 50 years ago, 60 years ago. We already have to deal with Every waking moment being under a microscope because of the perception that we have. And then I do with YouTube bozos who had to put, who had to pop middle fingers and, and drop f bombs at, you know, in a, a, a game that you were winning by 17 points, just so you could get some dollar uh, post game uh, soft serve treats. I mean, come on, what the fuck is that about? It's pathetic. The fans got banned for a year, as they should. The season ticket holder got screwed over though. He was given. Uh, he was, you know, forced to, uh, to 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 give back his tickets or whatever for the remainder of the year. He was a season ticket holder. That sucks. Not his fault, but I, there's policies that you know, uh, or whatever. Yes. Um. So about the zone defense, let's talk about the zone a little bit. When you go two three, you're you want the other team to shoot the ball. I mean, you're praying for it. And it's really quite shocking that it took a team this long to use to the to use a two three against the Sixers because Sixers, as we know, are not a prolifically great three point shooting team. I mean, they're capable, but they're not gonna just brutalize you with three point shooting. So it was kind of a of a miracle to me that they waited this long to or that they 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 hadn't faced the zone consistently for this long. So when it happened, I was like, okay. We're, 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 we've reached a point where we're starting to see it. Maybe this is a time for the likes of Tobias Harris um, or the, you know, uh, Matisse Thibel or someone else like that to get hot. And then what really happened was the Sixers sort of got tight because the shots weren't falling to begin with, which when you're not falling, when shots aren't falling in the zone, it's, 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 it's death and taxes. Um, so the, you know, they're, they're, they're moving the, like around like a freaking hot potato and it, you know, they're, they're, they're 
they're, they're having to take these late shot clock jump shots. They're at, they're way, way, way out of rhythm. And that's the key factor in a zone is to take, to take the opponent out of rhythm. And it also eliminates the big man in the middle at the risk of giving up a three-point shot. And with the Sixers, if you neutralize Embiid, that's 65% of the battle. And if it's not hitting shots, then 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 you all you have to do is just make shots yourself, and you've won the game. So, were the Sixers prepared for the zone? Absolutely not. They 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 looked lost. It looked lethargic. It spilled over to their defense, and the whole thing was a shit show. Would it have been different if they had been shooting better from the field? Twenty seven of ninety nine going into Saturday night. Absolutely, the zone wouldn't have been wouldn't have lasted as long as it did if. You know, Mike Scott makes a three. If Tobias Harris makes a three, if someone's, if this dude makes a three, if that dude makes a three, it wouldn't have been so prolific and so so success, successful, and it would have gotten stung by it a couple times. Would, would the Heat and Mavericks have been, and they would have switched out of it and gone back to man. So when the shots aren't falling, which isn't a coach's fault, which isn't a player's fault, it's just the shots aren't falling. When that happens. It's hard to compensate for just not being comfortable with the zone yet. And when that happens, you have turnovers, you're hesitant, you're you're you're, you're overthinking, and you're not you're just way out of rhythm. And so that's why it was effective. Should Brett Brown have had them prepared for the zone? One hundred percent, they should have been prepared better. Is it all his fault? Like some like a lot of people on Twitter make it out to be. No, it's not all his fault because at the end of the day, there's a reason you call it a zone buster, a shooter. There's a reason that, 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 that shooters are, 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 are used so heavily in zones. It's because zones are conducive to the three-point shooting because they give open looks. And when you have a zone buster, like a J.J. Redick, I might add, like a Davis Bertans, like a Wayne Ellington, when you have one of those, and it's someone who's just a knockdown three-point shooter, and they hit a couple, teams got to get out of zone. And then suddenly... The clock is, is 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 broken, and you can go back to playing your regular brand of basketball. The way this roster is constructed, you don't have that. You don't have a zone buster. You have Trey Burke, you have Mike Scott, you have Tobias Harris, you have T. Stiebel, you have James Ennis, um, and anyone else who can viably hit a Josh Richardson, Al Horford on some nights. Those are your viable three-point options. There's no J.J. Redick there. There's no automatic 45 you know, machine that, there. You don't have it. That was always a flaw in this roster construction. We knew that from the start. If they had, if someone had had the balls to play a zone earlier, they would have gotten killed by it. And then, may, who knows? Maybe they would have addressed it, addressed it sooner. Maybe they wouldn't have lost to the Heat because they would have been more equipped to handle a zone. But right now, they're not. And now Matisse Thibel misses two weeks at least because of because of a leg injury he sustained last night. I believe it's a hyperextended knee or a bone bruise or something like that. And so now you're going to have to make some moves, whether it be bringing up Shake Milton, bringing up Zaire Smith, who, by the way, if, you don't, if you're not bringing up Zaire Smith by now because Thibault's out, that tells you all you need to know about how they feel about Zaire Smith. And if they feel, that, if they feel how, they, how I think they feel about Zaire Smith, why are you keeping him on the roster? Get some value for him. Get a shooter in here. So that way you can get rid of the zone as fast as possible when teams throw it at you. Because Eric Spolstra exposed Sixers on Wednesday. On Friday, Rick Carlisle followed in his footsteps. 
Wizards play the most zone in the NBA. They followed on Saturday as well. The difference is the Sixers shot 14 of 33 from three, and they were able to break out of the zone real quick. It's not going to go away. And when you have long teams like the Bucks coming into town on Christmas Day, and you have a coach like Budenholzer, you're going to see zone and zone and zone some more. And it's going to be really freaking hard to break. So that's what you're looking at with the zone defense. It's not all Brett Brown's fault. Should he have had them better prepared? Absolutely. Does it all look does it look, does it look like they're better prepared when, they're, when shots are falling? Yes. So it's more of a sometimes they're going in, sometimes they're not going in, but also a lack of preparation too. The reason I blame Brett Brown mostly is because he should have had Ben Simmons and Tobias Harris operating out of the mid post all night long at the zone against the Heat and against the Mavericks. If you have to take Joel Embiid out for an extended period of time and bring in Horford, that's fine. Your man in the middle should have been Tobias or Ben because they're very mobile, very athletic, and they can suck in a defender and then kick out to an open shooter and get you open looks. On top of that, you can also get a stretch four out there or a stretch five out there in um, in an Al Horford. So that's a lot of why I blame Brett Brown. It's also worth pointing out that he finally went to Trey Burke on Saturday, and Burke had 12 points and 5 assists. He was very effective, way more so than Raul Nado. That's one of the only times I've been wrong this year is with Raul Nado. Um, I, mean, I, I know. I, I, finally, he's wrong. Yeah, I know. Um, he was way more effective than, than, than Nado was. And that's something to look forward to in the future because I think that that's a, a better option for them in terms of some uh, spark off the bench. Um, so the Sixers play Detroit tomorrow in Detroit, and then they had the Bucks on Christmas. And we will see you in the next couple of days, hopefully, definitely within the next week. Um, hopefully after the Christmas game, we'll have an episode out. But in the meantime, do you like shotgunning beer? Do you want to increase your shotgun time at Christmas? Check out my boys at the King Cobra. The King Cobra is a shotgunning tool. It's the perfect shotgunning hole in under a second. Also a tab puller, a metal puncher, and all fits on a keychain. For more information about the King Cobra, check them out on Instagram at the King Cobra Co. That's the King Cobra Co. And Cobra is spelled with a K. For 10% discount on all products, enter the code Trust the Cobra 10, all caps, all one word. Pick up yours today. The feed to and be in the same are protected by U.S. copyright laws, reproduction, distribution without written permission. Prohibited copyright the V2 of 2019. Um, Sixers 1 and 2 on the week. They will look to make some adjustments before Detroit tomorrow. And we will be interesting to see how Detroit game plans in terms of using zone and in terms of the Sixers. Uh, and then as for the Sixers and how they sort of counter the zone. Um, but we will see you very soon to break down some more Sixers basketball. Hopefully, a couple wins coming up. And as always, thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in. Um, don't forget to subscribe and rate and review on Apple podcast. I am Austin Carell and have a wonderful night.